Good job. All right, First John. It, uh, it'll probably take me a little bit. Hey, Judah. Probably take me a little bit there to get wound into that. But anyway, it, uh, conversations throughout the week, um, growing intimate ones. And I think to even a several conversations I had this week with believers, um, trying to get their feet back on the ground. How right? do you think about it? Uh, believers, life happens, doesn't it? I think we could all agree life happens. We're, we're stretched, we're tested, um, we trip, we make mistakes. And it had me thinking along the lines of what is, what is the one of the, the most important things every new believer has to understand? What is one of the most important things that every mature believer needs to understand in their walk with God? Every believer needs to understand the importance of repentance in our lives. And uh, that's, that's where we're going to be this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we step into Your Word, Lord, the time, time is brief, but Lord, I pray that you, you move in our midst. Lord, You give me the words to say. Um, Lord, you, you allow me to be able to, to communicate this clearly, Lord, and that we're able to listen. Lord, these are things that we've heard before. Lord, these are things that we need to hold very dear to us. But Lord, these are things that I think sometimes we assume assume that others know. These are things that we sometimes assume that we do on our own. So I pray that you, you just bring this topic, Lord, in such a, a steadfast, solid way, Lord, and that we would clearly understand what you'd have to say. In your precious name, amen. How, how important is it for us to understand the topic of repentance? And as I was studying through the Gospel of John and John the Baptist and his message of repentance and the Pharisees and all that, it, it became very clear to me that uh, as John writes to the, the churches with this Gospel, that the topic is loud and clear, um, we need to understand what repentance is. And oftentimes we expect God to move and, and the Holy Spirit to move in hearts and lives and ministries without repentance. And from that there, the, the line come out of this morning, the spiritual moving of God always begins with repentance. So we're in 1 John this morning, um, just, just briefly to look at this. Every new believer, every believer needs to understand um, the concept of fellowship needs to understand the, the importance that repentance plays in their, in their lives, their walk with God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. That's not talking about a blindfold or that's not talking about a closet. That's talking about um, spiritual light that Christ had come to bring. That's talking about spiritual darkness that's caused by sin in our lives. Verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we, those of us who have, have come to that place in our lives where we recognize that we're sinners, we, we've heard the Gospel at some point, and God has moved our hearts to understand that we're, we're sinners, that our sin separates us from God, that Christ came and He died on the cross on our behalf. He shed His blood as payment for our sins, that when we 
for, ask for forgiveness or we repent of our sins, we confess our sins, and we place our faith in Christ, we become that child of God. And verse 6 says, if we, the believer, say that we have fellowship with Him. I picture this walking hand in hand with our Savior, that, that surrender, that being led, that walking in the Spirit. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, or pardon me, with one another, oh, back again. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if we say that we're walking in the Spirit, if we say that we've surrendered to Christ, if we say that we're, we're living our lives for Christ and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? But it, it's, it's, it's what the Word of God said. This is the, the bottom line to it. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So there's there that back and forth. And the blood, we just sang about it, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. I am so thankful for the blood. So thankful for it. It cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we, talking about the believer, talking about the person that has, has placed their faith in Christ, we've talked over the last several weeks about their um, discarding the old nature and receiving Christ, taking on Christ's nature, um, allowing Him to lead us as a new creation. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that's, that's pretty... I don't think I need to explain that. We're all sinners. We all have sin. We're all in that place of sin, right? If we say that we're not sinners, then we're deceiving ourselves. But verse 8, and I have, I have to ask the question, and, and this is for my sake, how do I receive that cleansing blood of Christ? How am I cleansed? I know that I'm a sinner, Right? And this is the way I would explain it to the kids. This is the way I would explain it to, to the men in my life there that uh, I've talked with there over the past. But how do I receive that cleansing blood of Christ for the sin I know is in my life? Verse 9, if we confess our sins. There's, a, there's an act on our part. We were moved to confess, to repent, to ask for forgiveness. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance is needed to be cleansed by the blood. This is for believers. This is something that, that, that we possess. But we have to do it. We have to confess. And verse 10, it hits home. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. So, this morning I asked, how important is it for the new believer to understand what repentance is? How important is it for the believer to understand that they need cleanse because we are all sinners? It's, it's, God tells us we are. We know we are if we're completely honest. And again, from that end, the importance of repentance of sin for the new believer the importance of, of knowing what happens when I do, that broken fellowship that comes uh, because the sin is present. 
and, the, and what happens or what needs to happen when we know that we've sinned, and that is the, the repentance, the confessing. And then we're into that place of the spiritual moving of God always begins with repentance. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter, chapter 1. And we've, we've worked our way through the prologue of the book to verse, verse 18. And it's interesting to see that the very first thing that the Apostle John, as he's writing this book inspired by God, he's putting these words and he's writing to the churches in ADD, the very first topic he looks at is indeed repentance. Uh, we've read there verse 19 to 21 a couple times over the last couple weeks. Let's pick it up in verse 22. Then they, and this is talking about the, the priests and Levites and the Pharisees and Sadducees, then they said to him, Who are you that we may give answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, this is John the Baptist, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? They're asking, On what grounds? On what authority are you preaching this message of repentance? On what authority are you carrying this out with? Verse 26, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is He, it is He who coming after Me is preferred before Me. He has a higher rank. He has a, a higher position before God whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. As we pause... And consider again there, verse 22, Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? As we approach this text, we ask the question, Who, who is asking these questions this morning? All right? These two questions there in verse, verse 22, Who is asking those questions? Who is looking for the answers here? Well, John here in John chapter 1, verse Verse 19 tells us that it was the Jews who sent priests and Levites to ask these questions. What do you say about yourself? The priests and Levites were the ones that looked after the temple things. They were the ones that did the cleansing. They were the ones to make sure that everything was pure as it come before God. They were the ones that came before God on behalf of the people. They were asking the questions, what do you say about yourself? If we were to turn back to Matthew chapter 3, uh, Matthew tells us that the Jews refers to the Pharisees and Sadducees, who, who are the, basically the, the rulers of the synagogues. Their position was to govern the spiritual condition of the people. The, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they govern the spiritual condition of the people. And as I, I began thinking my way through it, here you have a picture. You have a picture. And the Apostle John is making it very clear as he's, he's writing this in his Gospel that the churches, and he wanted the churches to know that it was the leadership 
of Judaism asking these questions. It was the leadership of Judaism asking these questions. We all know the story uh, of, of what John the Baptist said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, don't we? Right? But it was the leadership of Judaism that was being confronted with the spiritual condition of their hearts before God. John calls them a brood of vipers. <laughs> that's, not, that's not very a pleasant thing. Right? Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, John tells them to bear fruits worthy of repentance. Get your hearts right with God. Start living, living the way God wants you to live. The Apostle John wants us to know that it was the leadership of Judaism that was being confronted with the spiritual condition of the people that were flocking to the waters of, of John the Baptist's ministry, the waters of baptism. Now, maybe, uh, maybe this was just a, a young pastor thing picturing what this must have looked like, but uh, you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Levites and the priests all asking these questions. What do you say about yourself? They're listening to John's message. These are the spiritual leaders of God's people, the nation of Israel. And they're watching as the people are streaming past them in their ringlets and their robes and their tassels. And they're watching as the people that they're responsible for are going and getting their hearts right with God. I tried to put myself in that position. It would almost be like there being a revival in Coldstream when a guest speaker comes in. Right? And you ask yourself the question, what have I what I have been doing for the last nine months? And all of a sudden people start getting saved and, and, and what have you. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't work that way, but but I would be asking that the question there, what is going on? <laughs> it it the spiritual leadership of Judaism was watching the hearts of God's people who they were responsible for getting right with God. Had me thinking there, the spiritual moving of God always begins with repentance. It always does. It always does. Have you ever prayed for revival for this church? Let me think with me. I hear, I hear stories of, of years ago revival and people getting saved and, and this community coming alive. When you pray for revival, when you pray for growth, when you pray for, for new beginnings, this is how it, revival works. It begins with repentance. It begins by people getting their hearts right with God. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's how the spiritual moving of God begins. I, uh, you start studying through revival and then there's a sheet that John Hogue gave me um, junior year on and it's it, it's a very very descriptive thing about revival uh, we've moved enough times that I don't know where it is now but um, started studying through what revival is and I found a couple different quotes on the definition of revival and I got them up there. Yeah, the revival, Charles Finney says, it's, revival is the return of the church from her backslidings and the conversion of sinners. The stories I hear of the meetings that, that have gone on in this little valley before, and it was such a powerful time. People still talk about it. I think of, of different testimonies from people who used to live in Stovepipe Alley, the other side of the covered bridge, being saved out of, out of ministry, of people just going in. Um, 
Carl Peterson was part of that ministry. I hear a lot of different things. Revival, people repenting, spiritual moving of God and people leaving those things behind. I like this quote as I was thinking about praying for revival and the repentance that's needed first. Revival definition being a community saturated with God. A community saturated with God. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But then there's this one, and I'm thinking about John the Baptist's ministry. And I do picture him knee-deep in the river or however high it was at that time. And he's saying, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Right? He was calling God's people out of, out of Jerusalem, away from all the lights and the rules. And he was telling them, make straight the way of the Lord. Get your hearts right. Repent before God. A definition from E. Cairns about revival says this, the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring the people of God to a more vital spiritual life. A more more vital, more live, more vibrant spiritual life waking us up. More vital spiritual witness. It's seen in in how we live our lives. It's seen in our evangelism. A more vital spiritual work by prayer in the Word after repentance in crisis for their spiritual decline. Right? It's bringing the hearts of God's people to, to, to get right with God, to reach out for Him. Get back in fellowship with Him. As we look at these verses, and again, they're very familiar verses. Right? Very familiar story. But the Pharisees and the Jews asking these questions, what do you say about yourself? Why then, verse 25, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? What authority, what grounds do you have to preach a message of repentance to God's people? The Pharisees, the Jews, who consider themselves spiritual, are blind to the very place that God's people, the very place that God's church, the very place they're blind to, the very place that each of us must begin. This is an everyday thing for the believer. Coming to that place of of repenting, examining ourselves. It's not a once a month thing. It's an everyday. It's an every slip up. It's, it's I made a mistake. I said that harsh word. I, I, I did. I, I looked at. I, I did this. We know when we sin. We do. But we must come back to that repentance. Every slip up, every sinful tendency, I know I got enough of them. Every selfish desire or every influence, Satan's influenced, entertained. That that pause, that worldly thing that's been put before you, or that worldly concept that you've entertained, or or just world period, right? That that entertaining of that. When there is unconfessed sin in a believer's life, we looked at that from first John chapter one. When there's unconfessed sin in our lives, there's broken fellowship. It's no more walking. There's sin. There's, there's a hindrance there. We're, we're grieving the Spirit. We're going to be looking at that in, in prayer meeting on Wednesdays. There, there's broken fellowship 
with Christ. I'm not talking positionally. I'm not talking you can't lose your salvation. If you're sincere and genuinely placed your faith in sealed, you're in the Father's right hand. But if there's sin present, it's not a reciprocating thing because of that sin. It's broken fellowship. When there's unconfessed sin in a believer's life, the believer is in a dangerous position. All right? We've left ourselves open to things. And it's really black or white according to 1 John chapter 1. We're either in fellowship with Christ and we're, we're confessing our sin and we're allowing Him to lead us and we're walking in the Spirit or we are, or we are not. Now this is where it's, you write these thoughts down and then you walk away and you think about these verses and then you think about your life and then you think about how you've tried to live your life and then I wrote this down. We can, we can try this Christian life thing repentance, can't we? I think we can all agree that we've tried this Christian life thing without repentance. And we can make it for a time but then the wheels fall off of it, right? And just things happen. We don't we don't respond well. We we do something that really really shouldn't have done. We can try and fake this Christian life thing with no repentance. You're looking at someone who who has a great history of faking his Christian walk with God with no repentance. It was my teenage years. I don't, I don't remember maybe the odd time having brokenness over sin, but I became very good at faking my Christian walk. And we can make a, a very good attempt at living this Christian life with no repentance. And for those of you that read my testimony when I was candidating out here, <laughs> it doesn't take long and you're attempting that sin the presence of sin unconfessed sin always means failure and that failure becomes evident and then we're back to that that number one thing when i'm thinking of of god moving in the midst of the people and they're coming and responding to john's message of of repentance make straight the way of the lord it's your hearts Don't worry about the roads. It's your hearts that God's caring about. The spiritual moving of God always begins with repentance. That's where we need to begin. If we're we're expecting God to do things in our lives, that's where we need to begin. I asked myself the question studying through this, what happened to repentance in the churches of 8090? Right, the churches of Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we see that most of them are not in very good shape. What happened to repentance in that time? This was the church. Had their hearts become hardened to the topic of repentance? Did they stop having altar calls? Right? I, I know that was a big thing of the past. I don't remember very many, just of, of just as I am. Coming forward and getting your hearts right with God. Did they stop having altar calls? Or did they stop providing opportunities to come forward and get right with God so that the Spirit of God could move within them? What happened to repentance in that time? And I think of the Pharisees. A little bit of of sanctified imagination. Standing on the, the river banks. Verse 25, 
You know, green grass, the water will pretend it's warm because I hate cold water. Um, John the Baptist standing in the water, right? Giving this message of, of repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. People responding, and the Pharisees asking those questions, standing there going, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor prophet? And John, hollering up at them, answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. Why did the Pharisees and Sadducees and the, the, the Levites and priests who were in charge of, of purifying and cleansing and, and representing the people before God, why did they not respond to the message of repentance themselves? Why did they not? It's not that these religious people didn't have the Word of God. They, they were holding the same Old Testament Scriptures that we do. That's Isaiah 40. That's where John speaks from. I mean, most of them probably had Isaiah, the entire book, memorized. The difference was, this was just a book to them. This was just concepts and ideas. This was just words that they used to teach in the synagogues. Make sure that people lived by the law. right? They were very regimented by it. And make sure that the, the words in this book govern the people, but they missed the entire purpose of the Word of God. The Word of God is to give us a, a picture. It shows us who God is, His person, His goodness, His, His attributes, who He desires to be in our lives. And the Word of God leads us spiritually to Himself. It lets us know what we have to do to come into His presence. It's a, a beautiful, cherished thing. I mean, if we were to get into all flesh is grass and a flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. It's talking about the condition, the heart conditions of the people. John uses the Word of God speaking to the, the spiritual leadership of the, the Jewish people. And he shows us who God is and leads our heart spiritually to Himself. He uses the Word of God because it shows us how fast our hearts run. How quickly our hearts run. The Word of God shows us how quickly we get distracted. Shows us how deceitful our hearts can become for what I want in this life. What I desire. And it shows us how quickly our hearts can become hardened to the relationship that God desires to have with us. With us. Think of that verse, um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We know it. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to even the, the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That verse is placed in the middle of chapter 4. And Romans chapter 3 and 4 is talking about hardened hearts that no longer we're seeking God. No longer living in that repentance needed to, to step into God's presence. I wrote this thought down. God's Word spiritually brings us up, brings the believer up out of brokenness when sin has broken us. And it deals with that sin. 
You know, someone who has, has fallen into sin, and, and sometimes we categorize it, we really shouldn't, but the Word of God is what shows us that brokenness. It, it, it rises up us up out of the ashes of that brokenness, and it helps us deal with that sin so that we can be restored. We can be um, replay, put back into fellowship with Christ. And it's only through repentance confession and restoration and fellowship. And John the Baptist, as he's preaching this message to the nation of Israel, God's people, John was turning the spiritual condition of the heart to Christ. Make straight the way of the Lord. God's people are notorious for believing in the right God the wrong way. When you think about it, these people, they believed in Jehovah they believed in Yahweh. They believed in Elohim. They believed who God is. But they left their hearts out of the equation. No repentance. There was no fellowship. God's people are notorious for believing in the right God the wrong way. And that was John the Baptist's message. That was his purpose. He was sent to bring the hearts of God's people, the spiritual condition of God's people, to the place where they would recognize the Holy One that was promised. That was promised. I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And again, we could spend quite a bit of time. And it's such a a critical thing for us to understand that it's our hearts. But as we read this verse, we understand that the sin condition of the people, we understand the sin condition of the people, we understand the pending appearance of Christ. Right? John is, is not beating around the bush here when he says, I baptize with water, but there stands among you, pardon me, there stands one among you whom you do not know. We understand the sin condition of God's people. We understand the, the appearance of Christ. But there's also an aspect that we need to, to really pay attention to as John preached this message. The aspect for the individual standing on the bank wanting to respond to this, this message of repentance, wanting to, 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 to give their hearts, to, to have themselves cleansed. That aspect is this. As they're listening to that message of repentance, the thought of a believer being found with blatant, practiced, habitual, unconfessed sin when the Messiah comes should be horrible. You think as God's people are standing on the bank listening to this message of repentance, the very thought of, of the Messiah that was coming to save them, finding them in blatant, practiced, unconfessed sin should be horrible. It should be devastating. I wrote this down. It should break your heart. What breaks our hearts? I'm standing there and I'm working through and... and, and there are, there are things that move us different way. But then I thought to myself, the idea of sin and how I should feel about the sin in my life if Jesus was to return at any moment. It should break your heart. I wrote these things down because I know it broke my heart once I realized how much it broke someone's heart, else's heart. But 
The thought of a believer being found with blatant practice unconfessed sin when the Messiah comes should break our hearts as much as a, a child's first intentional curse word in front of a parent. The first time that they don't care and they just, they just drop it. Or the, the, the presence of blatant, practiced, unconfessed sin in our hearts, uh, uh, His peering there should break your heart like the first cigarette your child lights in front of you, not caring. It should break your heart. The first beer drank in front of you. I know what it did to my parents, and I can only imagine if I was found <laughs> in that sin that Jesus is appearing. The presence of practiced, habitual, unconfessed sin in our hearts should break our hearts. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says that whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Well, lawlessness is not a word that we throw around today very much, but lawlessness means a violation of God's law. It's anything that we do or, or, or say or, or desire um, against God's person, right? God is holy. So whenever we're sin, we're practicing lawlessness, it's anything that goes against who God is, and that's pretty much almost everything of myself that I can even imagine, right? Which makes repentance such an important thing. Um, for the, the benefits, I, I started writing things down. It's, it's using the Lord's name in vain. All right? That's maybe a casual one for some of us. But it's, a, it's, it's one of the top things that, that God says in Exodus 20. Using the Lord's name in vain. Idolatry. Sin is anything that comes before God. Not keeping the Sabbath. Okay, that's a big one. Not giving a day to God for rest and glorifying Him. How about not obeying your parents? Or respecting the elders' wisdom? That's a big thing. There's the sins of the heart. Adultery. Now I say the heart because even if you're thinking of it, if you're lusting after someone who's not your spouse, it's adultery. Lust of the heart. Murder. Hate. Lust, coveting, something that's not yours. There's selfishness, self-righteousness, fear, worry, pride, lying, gluttony, gossip, and that's just getting us started. All right? The, the presence of sin, the need for repentance should be before each one of us because I fall into a number of those. We know God can't be in the presence of sin. So what does that mean if I'm choosing not to repent? What does that mean? Well, it means I'm choosing darkness rather than light. I'm rejecting the spiritual moving of God in my life. And again, with that, the thought of a believer being found with blatant, practiced, unconfessed sin when the Messiah comes should be horrible. As John says, I baptize with water. There stands one among you whom you do not know. The individual believer, as John is writing to the church, cannot genuinely, sincerely see Christ, cannot genuinely, sincerely live for Christ, cannot genuinely sincerely be led by Christ with the presence of unconfessed sin 
in their life. We know that the Israel's history, no repentance in a nation, no spiritual moving of God. No repentance in a life, no spiritual moving of God. No repentance in a church. There's no spiritual moving of God. The spiritual moving of God always begins with repentance. It's a, it's a bottom line thing. So for the believer who, who does not deal with sin before God, they're like the Pharisees standing on the banks. All right? And I've heard, I've heard messages, and this is kind of where the application really, really starts hitting home for me. For the believer who does not deal with sin before God, they're standing on the banks like the Pharisees, you will find yourself standing on the bank of the river watching God spiritually moving amongst His people. Right? God will be working amongst His people. The people will be responding to God's message. They'll be admitting brokenness, which is a good thing. We are broken people. And you'll be watching that. You'll watch people begin to confess their sins. You'll watch people repenting before the cross, right? Asking to be cleansed, singing these songs, having their hearts uh, lifted up before God. And that's such a beautiful thing. Who doesn't want that? But for the person who does not deal with sin before God, they'll find themselves standing on the bank of the river and the lie will leave your lips. First to yourself. You'll start... You'll start whispering it to yourself and then it'll get a little bit louder. I know I've been there. The lie will first leave your lips to yourself and then to the person beside you. And I can almost see the Pharisees doing it. Um, I can relate with this. I think some of, some of us um, can relate. Well, I think most of us should be able to relate with this. And the lie will leave your lips first to yourself, then to the person beside you. I am glad I'm not like them. <laughs> I am glad I'm not like them. It'll progress to, I don't struggle with those things. That list of sins there up there, I don't struggle with those things. And then finally, I'm fine. It's them with the sin. Can you hear the Pharisees saying that on the riverbank? It's them. I don't need to repent. And John's baptism of water signified two things. Repentance, which is a recognition of sin in your life. Because we're all sinners. We all are sinners. There is sin in your life. There's sin in my life. We're not holy. God is. And that's why we have the Lord's table that we're going to observe here in a minute. I wrote on my whiteboard this week, if you can't admit that there's sin in your life, then there's sin. If you don't need help, dealing with that sin from God? If you don't need help dealing with that sin from the brothers and sisters in Christ that are around you, if you don't need help dealing with that sin from the pastor, then there's pride. I've been there. I've rejected the help that God has put. That's the importance of the body of Christ. And John was calling God's people to the Jordan River to confess their sins and prepare themselves for Christ's coming, right? Because He's coming again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's something that we're, <laughs> we cherish. But Jesus is coming, and what a sickening thing to consider having sin in your life when you meet Him face to face. 
It should, it should, should wrench you. So John's message was to repent so that you can know Jesus now. Know Him in a spiritual life, spiritual light. Have Him leading your light. Repent so that you can see Jesus now and have a heart ready to see Him when He comes. So this morning, as, as maybe the, the men would want to come forward there and we'll, we'll get the Lord's table ready, I just want to, in light of John the Baptist's message, and in light of what's, what we've been commanded to observe this morning, please examine as the guys are getting the table ready. Please examine your hearts. Please repent of what needs to be repented of. Restore your relationship with Christ so that you can be used. So that the fellowship is, is restored with Him. Don't, don't partake of it unworthily. This is for believers. This is for believers who are examined before Him. And again, if you need help overcoming something, ask. Ask. That's why you've got a great church here. Reach out for help. You have mature believers around you. I'm here to help. Chris is a great listener. The, the Word of God will be opened and will work through. We'll find the answers that God says. But, but don't, don't let it go on any longer. The spiritual moving of God always begins with repentance.